All right, everybody's good? All right, that sounds good. I like it. Hey, the, the more vocal you are, the quicker we get out of here. Just want to say that. All right. Hey, uh, real quick, I want to I begin with prayer, and then I want to ask a question. God, we want to say thank you again for your word. Uh, Lord, it is, uh, it is an unbelievable gift, as I said earlier, that you have given to us. And so, God, we're going to have it as a church, Lord, that you would teach us through your word. And where we lack understanding, we trust that you're going to continue to teach us through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Hey, so let me ask you a question. What is the greatest event that you have ever been invited to? Just real quick, just think in your head. What is the greatest event that you have ever been invited to? Over the course of my life, uh, I have been invited to some pretty spectacular things, um, which I was thankful to be in attendance for. Um, Outside of the marriage, uh, my marriage to my wife, the birth of my kids, and some family vacation memories we've been on, uh, there are some things that I have been invited to that really just... Uh, we're kind of life-changing moments for me. I want to just share those with you really quick. Uh, number one was uh, when I was in the Navy, I was part of what was called the Admiral's Color Guard in Orlando. So I got invited to be the one to carry the Navy flag for the military ball. It was, I mean, this was a big, big deal. And it was uh, said, I think Colin Powell and some of the other big wigs were there at the time. Of course, when the doors opened, the, the TV, there were TV lights and cameras on us. I couldn't see anything. It was so bright. Uh, but I was excited to be a part of that. Uh, the other, one of the other things that I've been invited to that was really exciting for me was when I got invited to go to the NCAA basketball tournament. Is anybody else ready for March Madness? Me and you, Rodney. It's me and you, man. It's me and you. All right. March. Huh? Just pick one. Just pick one. Just pick one. Just roll the dice. That's how I feel during bowl season, Jake. You know what I'm saying? All right. The other thing that, um, another thing that I, I remember that I was just really excited to be a part of was uh, uh, years ago, um, back in 2007, I think it was, uh, I was invited to go to the bowl game where Florida was playing Michigan. It was down in the Citrus Bowl. It was the year Tim Tebow won the Heisman Trophy. And uh, when we got there, I went, went with a friend of mine whose dad worked for the team. We got to ride on the, like, the team buses to the stadium from the hotel all the way to the stadium. And it was really cool because, I mean, cops are just clearing the freeway. So, man, it is, it is free and clear all the way to the stadium in Orlando. And that was a pretty cool moment for me. That was just my take. That, that's some of my things that I was excited to be invited to. And here's the thing. Uh, we met, what made these events special and memorable were because I didn't have in my own ability, in my own whatever, I, I didn't have the ability to get there on my own. I had to re- uh, lean on somebody else's credentials in order to be able to get into those venues and into those places and spaces. So what is the event for you? What is that thing? What is that thing that you have been invited to um, that uh, you are, that, that has just changed your life or maybe given you a really amazing memory, something that you were Uh, thankful to be a part of. If your answer to that is to, um, well, if your answer to that is a boy band concert or a butterfly museum, then we need to get you some new friends to expose you to some better things in life. Um, But I want to give you a follow-up question to that first question. What is your dream event? If you could go to anything, like if you could pick one thing in the entire world that you could attend, that you know in your own ability in your own purchasing power, you didn't have the ability to get into it. What would that thing be? What would be the thing that you would want to go to? What is the one event that you hope that one day you would get invited to? Well, today we're going to talk about something that we've all been invited to, which is the greatest invite that you and I will ever receive, okay? Now we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. I mean, it's something that no person that has ever lived prior to Jesus 
death, burial, and resurrection, those people prior to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection did not have the opportunity that you and I had and that we're going to talk about today. And it's not just your salvation. It's something that happens because of your salvation. It's a second invite, if you will. So if you would please turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to try to fly through this. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 1. So if you would, uh, just follow along. The words will be on the screen. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me there. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, here is what he says. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. So just go ahead and um, go ahead and understand that. It's something that you don't make eye contact, but you're not perfect, okay? I just want to tell you, you're not perfect, I'm not perfect, we're not perfect, all right? We're just not. So, number two, verse two, he says, otherwise they would have not ceased to be offered since worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sins. So again, just as a refresher and a reminder, this group of people that the writer of Hebrews is writing to is writing to them because they had placed faith in Christ And they're second-guessing that decision. And now they're considering going back to the old sacrificial system, back to the old law, and into the old covenant. And the writer here is saying, that thing was never able to permanently perfect people. He said if there was, then he says there there would be, your, your sacrifices would have ceased if that was able to fix what was wrong with us. So again, remember, that is the system that they were in. These people were essentially looking at the offer of the forgiveness of their sins, looking to the cross of Jesus, looking back to the cross of Jesus. They're looking at this and they're going, "Um, here's your offer. Jesus says, here's the offer. Freedom comes through my sacrifice. And they're looking at that and saying, no thanks, I got it. Let me just say this. Um, We ain't got this, okay? That's not proper grammar, but we don't. We don't, we don't have this. We don't have the opportunity to work our way back in to the presence of God. You know, um, let me, let me uh, put it to you this way. So like people who think that we can somehow work our way back into God's good graces, it's kind of like this. Uh, there's some things in life that if you get on you, it's just hard to get the smell of. You know what I'm saying? How many of you, anybody in here ever been sprayed by a skunk? Anybody? All right. I don't know what that's like. Uh, I just don't get close enough to him to get sprayed you guys have much higher curiosities, I guess, than I do. But onions, what about onions? You ever cut an onion? Like you just can't get that smell off of your fingers. Like no matter how much all you cooks and all you people, like you cut onions, you can wash, 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 wash. It just takes a while to get off of you. Another thing that is sort of like that is gasoline. You ever get gasoline on you? You get it on your hands, on your clothes. It doesn't matter how much you wash them. It just, like you can just keep washing, washing, washing. It does not come off. See, we try and Wash it off, but soap and water don't seem to touch it. No matter how much we, can, we wash, we can still smell it. But over time, over time, that, that smell eventually subsides and it goes away. It will eventually wear off. And let me just tell you something. That's not how sin works, okay? While it's true that no matter how much we scrub and no matter how much we attempt to right our wrongs through doing good things, we, we cannot, listen, we cannot ever do enough good, do enough washing of ourselves to remove the stain of sin and to remove its effects from our lives. So it's, while it is true that, you know, we can 
No matter how much we scrub, it will go away or it won't go away. It's, it's also not true that our sin will go away over time. Sometimes I think we treat our sin like we treat smells, you know, like when things are going bad and we feel like life is kind of messy and we've stepped in some things that we didn't want to step into and now we're feeling the results of it and, and life just sort of stinks. What we tend to do, and this is what we, you know, see people do in the church world is, is people will begin to go, you know what, man, life is just messed up right now. Let me go jump back into church. Or life's messed up right now. Let me, let me give some extra money to something. Or, hey, life's just a little messed up right now. Uh, let me go serve in some capacity and serve in some way. See, we attempt to do with sin what we also try to attempt to do with the smells and the things that get on us in life. And the writer of Hebrews here, he says, he says, listen, he says, there is no way you cannot offer enough. There's nothing that you can do that would make perfect any of you who draw near. You just cannot do it. So what are you currently trusting in to remove your sin? What are you currently trusting in to try to make you feel better about whatever the situation is in your life? Do you take more of an old covenant approach? Do you take more of the approach that he's trying to push people away from? Well, you're thinking, I don't, like, I don't sacrifice animals like, to get rid of my sin. Like, what are you talking about? Let me, let me give you an example of what this might look like. When, again, when life is going good, uh, there's, there's no need for a sacrifice. When life's going good, we feel like everything's in place and we can kind of pull back on some of our commitments to pursue God. And listen, we've all done that. I do it. When everything's good, we don't seem to seek God with the same intentionality as we do when things are going poorly. And so when we do, when life gets a little painful, this is what, and we feel like God is mad at us, what do we do? Again, we, we pursue, we make a sacrifice. We come to church until the smell wears off. Or we, we give a little bit more of our time and our money so we feel like we're helping out in some way. Or we seek out counseling until the situation improves slightly. It's amazing that when people come into, uh, when people come into my office seeking counseling and you give them steps to take, it's like the counseling's good when life hurts, but then once life stops hurting, it's like, hey, I'm just going to go back to doing the very thing that got me into the situation that I find myself in today, seeking counseling from you. And it's just craziness. And you know what that is? It's our sin nature. And every one of us do it. Every one of us, we step into things at times that we know we should not step into. And then we step out of the presence of God oftentimes because we feel like, hey, you know what? Life is going good right now, and I don't necessarily need God as much as I did when things were going poorly. A couple of months ago, I had, a, I had an outpatient surgical procedure. It was, uh, I, I remember arriving at the hospital, checking in for surgery, and I go back there, and the lady comes in, and she's, you know, checking the vitals. She does all the thing. Then she hooks me up to an IV. And then this lady comes in, and she's an amazing person. You've probably met her before. She may not have the same name, look the same, but she came in, and she said, hey, I'm going to put something in your IV that's going to make you feel a little sleepy. You know what I'm talking about? And it's crazy. Like, that stuff is amazing. She came in, and she put it in my IV, and uh, I remember thinking, like, literally, she puts it in, and she says, okay. Like, she puts it in the IV. She grabs it, and she says, okay, we're going to wheel you back to surgery. And I said, hey, you know what? Man, that stuff works quick. That's the last thing I remember other than waking up in recovery and seeing my wife sitting there and going, hey, when's this starting? And she's like, you're done. Like, it's incredible. And see, here's the thing. This is kind of how we are, right? Like, I should have done something about that thing that was giving me problems a whole lot sooner. But, you know, we're guys, like, right? Men, we don't, we don't go to the doctor. We're like, well, it'll be, rub some dirt on it. We'll be fine. 
And so I didn't take care of the thing that I should have taken care of a lot sooner. And I just, and then it became this thing that could have been handled in a real quick little doctor visit turned into this thing that I now had to have surgery for. And now I have about a six inch scar and some incredible memories, I guess, to share from, right? And that's how some people try to address sin. We ignore it. We hope that maybe it'll go away. Or maybe I can take something that will relieve my pain. Like maybe I can, and the things that we take are the things that we've sort of grown up and been taught in the Bible Belt. Let's, hey, you know what? Things don't feel good. Let's go to church. Hey, things don't feel good. Let's go talk to the pastor. Hey, things don't feel good. Let's give a little money. Hey, things don't feel good. Let me go volunteer some of my time. All those things are good and they're great. But it's still lacking. There's still something missing. That's not going to fix it. You don't need something to numb the pain. What you need is what I needed. I needed that thing cut out of me. You know what I'm saying? And so God has, to, God has offered to us this sacrifice through Jesus that removes sin. See, the old system just covered it up. It's like sweeping it under the rug. But when Jesus came, it removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. It removed them. And so we don't have to continually go seeking to offer sacrifices in order for the removal of our sin. There's, but we have, been inviting, we have been invited into something that is pretty amazing after even post-salvation. Salvation is the most incredible thing that we've ever been invited to, which is being invited into a relationship with God. But there's something past that, an event that you and I have been invited to that I think most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, I think we take for granted. Verses three through 10, we're gonna speed through this. But, since, but in, the, in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you, do not, you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sin offerings you take no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book when he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that, uh, and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus, through his obedience to the will of the Father, gave his life as a sacrifice that is far and away superior to any actions or steps that we could take in any sacrificial system because his was a once and for all sacrifice. That is what he says at the end of verse 10. Now think about all of the things that we do that have been done over and over again. Think about this. Think about the things that you do on a weekly basis that you do over and over and over again. Clean house, pay bills, mow grass. That's coming soon if you haven't already started. Go to school, pay taxes. Man, don't you wish there was a permanent solution to be done with all of those forever? Like, wouldn't it be great if you had like a, like we have self-cleaning ovens. Why can't we have a self-cleaning house? That would be amazing, would it not? Sign me up. It would be great if all those could be taken care of once for all. And hear what he's saying. The writer of Hebrews says, by that, by all those things that Jesus accomplished, he says in verse 10, will we have been sanctified through what Jesus did through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for 
all. You don't have to go back and offer sacrifices. You don't have to go back and present these animals to the priest and let him cut the throat and pour the blood out and go sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. He's making a point to these people who are tempted to go back to the system. Don't go back there. There's nothing for you there. Jesus has paid for your sins and my sins once for all through his sacrifice. Your so if, if that's you, so if, if Jesus sacrificed once for all because of that, there is no need, then I don't, if, if your thinking is because of that, I don't need to any longer, it's not about sacrifices, but are you saying that because of Jesus' sacrifice, I now don't need to attend, attend church regularly? Like, I, I don't need to offer, I don't need to give an offering regularly, I don't need to serve regularly. There's people that draw that conclusion. Because my salvation, Jesus accomplished on the cross, I placed my faith in it. So now, from this day forward, whatever that day of salvation is, I don't necessarily need all those things in my life. That is the conclusion some people draw. And if that's you, let me as lovingly as I know how to tell you that you may have missed the entire point of salvation. Your salvation is not a license for you to be able to go and do whatever it is that you want to do. It is, not your, it is not your get out of hell free card. That's like your trump card that you get to carry around. Because of what Jesus did, I get to go live how I want until the day I die, then I will get to go home with Jesus. It's so much better than that. Your salvation is not only about what you have been saved from, but it's just as much about what you and I have been saved to. Look in verses 11 through 16. He says, every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never, everybody say never, never, never take away sins. But when Christ has offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. It means he was finished. Waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who have been sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, for or after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. He writes to them, to these people, to these Jewish Christians that they, he says, you keep doing the same thing over and over and over, year after year after year, and God's looking down from heaven. He's got to be saying, listen, to them then and to us now, for whatever it is that we think that we can keep doing to try to earn God's favor, He's looking down. I know he had to be looking down at them and God's going, look, what are you doing? I've given you an English word. It's called insanity. I've given you a definition for that English word. We all know what the definition of insanity is, right? Doing the same things over and over and over and expecting what? Different results. But here we are. This is what we do. Here's what, that's what we do. Look in verses 17 and 18. He says, then he adds, I will remember their sins no more, their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for, for sin. If we truly believe that the blood, Jesus' blood was sufficient to permanently take away our sins and, and for those who put their trust in them, then it ought to change how we approach God. There should be a change in our approach to God. If our sins have been removed, there should be a change. At the beginning of the message, I asked the question, what is the greatest event that you have ever been invited to or what is the dream event that you wish you could be invited to? See, from the fall of man to the time of Jesus' sacrifice, there was something that the people of God could not do. See, there was this temple, this tabernacle. And we've talked about it in the past couple of weeks, but only the priests could go into the tabernacle, into the first part, into the holy place. 
And then in the most holy place, only the high priest could go. See, the people of God were never able to enter into the presence of God. Never. They had no ability. Their their worship was simply separated from God. They were never able to actually worship in the space where the presence of God was. But on the day that Jesus said it is finished, the, the veil in the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, representing God's ability, God's willingness to not, he knew we couldn't make our way to him, but his willingness to come to humanity and open the door for us to be able to worship him and to enter into the presence of God. They had, in that moment, when that veil was torn in two, the people of God for the first time in their life and in the history of humanity outside of the fall had been able to now enter into the presence of God and worship him. For the first time. And so have we. We have been invited not to the White House, not to the Super Bowl, not to the Queen's Palace in England, if that's your thing. But into the presence of the God of the universe. We have been invited into the very presence of God because of Jesus' once for all sacrifice. And we don't have to, we don't have to worship him We don't have to worship him every Sunday. We get the honor and privilege of entering into his presence together. It is a beautiful invite that we have been given. And here's the thing. The writer of Hebrews then follows that up. He says, listen, here's the invite. The the veil's been torn. You now have the freedom to enter into the presence of God and worship God. And then he's going to follow up with some instruction Finish up with me here in verses 19 through 25. Listen to what he says. Therefore, brothers, now, in light of all this, in light of everything that that he just wrote, he says, listen to this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter into or enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Since we have a great high priest, since this stuff has been done on our behalf, since the veil has been torn in two, since you have and I have the opportunity to enter into the presence of God, he says, let us. Everybody say, let us. I looked up the Greek word for let us, and I'm going to teach you a little Greek this morning. Y'all good with that? Okay, there's five of us. That's good. All right, so it's, it's two parts. It's two parts. So let us, and us in particular, us in particular, is, is, is a Greek word, and it has two parts. Everybody say airy. Second word, body. Us means everybody, okay? Everybody, let us. He says, let us draw near Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. See, I fear that some of us ask when we, okay, so I'm saved now. I'm saved now. So here's the question I fear most people ask. And here's the question. How close do I have to get to God? Like, I think we approach our faith with, you know what, I want to be close enough to God to make sure I get in when I die, but I don't want to get so close to him that it kind of hinders my life. And so I fear that many people, when they come to faith in Christ, they ask the question, how close do I have 
to get to God? How close do I have to get to God? The better question is this. The better question is how close can I get to God? Like, I want to get as close to God as I can. I want to be as, listen, the the sweetest and most beautiful days of my life were all of the days that I have sought to get as close to God as I can possibly get. God, I want to be in your word. God, I want your word to be in me. I want your spirit to be teaching me. I want to feel your presence on a daily basis. If you, listen, when you go off on a trip, you know, there's this, Maybe for a day or two, you might be going, hey, you know what? It's been a good little vacation away from the family. But after a while, you know what happens? You begin to miss your wife. You begin to miss your kids. Like, I want to be back. I can't wait to be back in the presence of my spouse. How many of us feel that way about God? Because I got to be honest with you. I know when, when, when things are, when I'm not doing my part to pursue God, because by the way, God never moves. It's always us. And when I'm not doing my part to pursue God, I know it. And I'll begin to miss the closeness. And so I have to, I have to be diligent. God, I, need to, I want to pursue you daily. I want to feel your presence. I want, to be, I want to be as close to you as I can possibly get. And he says, draw near. And he says, how do we draw near? With a true heart. He goes on to play out some other things here. And so he, he goes on to say in, in 22, that our hearts are sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I don't know about you, but... Man, I, daily, I, I, need, I just need to get on my face before God and say, God, I did some things today that I, I know did not honor you. I had some thoughts today, God, that I know did not honor you. I had some attitudes today that I know did not honor you. But the promise of 1 John 1, 9 is this, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look at verse 23. Here's another let us, okay? Y'all remember the Greek word for us, right? It's what? Everybody, everybody, everybody. Verse 23, he says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The confession of our hope. How do you confess your hope? What is the confession of your Do you hold fast? You ever, um, you ever had one of those moments with your kids, like especially when they were little? You remember the first day of kindergarten or preschool? The first day that you dropped them off to somebody that they didn't know. I don't know about you, but I, my kids like held on with a death grip around my neck or my leg. Like, man, they just would not let go. He says, hold fast. Hold fast your confession. Oh, of The confession of what? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. How do we hold fast the confession of of our hope. Listen, every time you show up on a Sunday and people see you walking in the door, like, man, look, there's my people. Like, man, they're holding fast. Like, that's the confession of our hope. Like, when we testify about who Jesus is, when we share our faith, when we show up to celebrate our faith, when we do those things, we are holding fast to the confession of our hope. Like, my hope is in you, Jesus. It's not in this world. It's not in the material possessions that I have gained for myself. It's not in my ability to do anything. It is simply in what, Jesus, you have done for me. You are my hope. And I'm going to hold fast to that thing. Because when I let go of Jesus... And try to grab onto the world, that's when I lose hope. Verse 24 and 25, and we wrap up with this. Here's what he said. Let us, here it is again. Let us consider, let us consider how to stir up, what's the next two words? Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, 
Watch this. Not neglecting to meet together. He's saying, listen, you people who are thinking about abandoning your faith to try to go back to a sacrificial system, you people who are trying or thinking about abandoning Jesus, you're no longer going to hold on to your hope, but you're going to go back into this old lifestyle that you were pursuing before. Those of you who do that, he's saying, listen, he says, you cannot consider one another. You're not considering one another. When I, when, listen, when you show up and you serve, when we have these unbelievable people who serve in the Welcome Center, who shake hands, when we have teachers who show up prepared to teach, ready to go, when we have people who show up and say, listen, I'm gonna serve in whatever capacity, these amazing people on this stage who show up every Sunday morning early to prepare to lead you all in worship and all of us in worship, when they do that, they are considering the one another's in this room. Let me ask you a question. How are you considering the one another's? What are you doing right now in order to help somebody else see the faith that you have and the hope that you have in Jesus? What are you currently doing that's helping the kingdom advance? What are you currently doing, what are we doing as a church that's helping the people in Osceola, Georgia come to know Jesus by faith in Christ? What are we doing? He says, let us consider one another. How to, how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit is of some, but encouraging one another. You can't encourage me if you're not here, and I cannot encourage you if you're not here. And I don't know about you, but I need all the encouragement I can get. And I kind of think you do too. The Bible says that it is not good that man should be alone. He gave us one another. We serve a God who always existed from eternity past in perfect community with, with himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Always did. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and he was in the beginning with God. He always existed in perfect community and you and I were created for community and this is the community that he gave us to belong. He says, don't neglect the meeting together. We need to come together to encourage one another, to provoke one another, to consider one another that we might stir up love and good works. I mean, if we could hop back into a DeLorean and hit the time machine, Make sure the flux capacitor is working, you know what I mean? Like go back in time. If we could land in the time and place and space where the people of Israel were still worshiping through the old system, taking their sacrifices up to a priest who would take it into the temple, into the presence of God, never being able to step foot into that thing. Could you imagine their reaction when we said, hey, you know what, on this side of where we live, you know, we come from the future, but where we live, we're able to enter into the presence of God and worship him whenever we want. But you know, there's just some days, man, they're too pretty. There's just some days, it's too pretty outside, and you know, I, I, I miss when it's too pretty, or you know, there's just some days, you know, I just, I wake up and for those of our friends, listen, if you're, if you're at home right now and you're watching online, that's great. We love to be able to offer that. Glad we have the technology. But listen, there's no, you, you cannot get at home what you get here. I got the choir preaching behind me. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> there, you cannot get sitting in your living room the same thing that you get here. Thank you. I am, I am a firm believer that it is so important for us to be here. I have never seen a growing Christian that did not attend church. The reason is, is because there are people that will ask you, hey, how you doing? How can I pray for you? How can I encourage you? Let me tell you what God's teaching me. 
Those things are encouraging to me. When I hear people tell me what you're learning, when you say, hey, let me tell you what God's teaching me this week. This is powerful. Man, it encourages me and it challenges me. And I want you to know that, listen, if, if you guys, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir right now too because you're here. But those, for those of you who are online, man, you need to get back. I mean, it's great. Like if you're sick, I think Anita's home now. Anita, if you're watching, we love you. Get, get well. We're praying for you. If you're sick, you, yeah, that's what this is for. If you're on vacation, man, you can tune in from wherever you are and you can watch. You can have worship with your church on Sunday morning wherever you are. But, but if you're home, if you're here, if you're in town, we should be here. Because I can't want another somebody who's not in the building with me. And man, let me tell you, there is nothing, there's no event that I would rather be at than my church on Sunday morning. That's above a Super Bowl, that's above whatever, whatever you can put on a list. This is the highlight of my week and it's the highlight of my life. And I hope it is yours too. Because we have, because of what Jesus did, we have the privilege of being invited into the presence of God to worship him. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your love and your grace. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this letter written to these Hebrew people. And God, the, the challenge it issues in our life. And God, I want to pray for, for um, our community. I want to pray for our church. Lord, I pray that, that we, would, we would grow to a place in our life where the highlight of our week is Sunday morning. It's not a Friday night football game. It's not a Saturday morning or a Saturday afternoon football game. It's not even a football game or any other athletic event that may happen on a Sunday afternoon. God, our highlight of the week is when we get to show up and enter into the presence of God and worship you with our fellow believers, that we might consider how to stir up love and good works in our neighbor. That God, uh, as we hold firm to our hope, as we hold on to our hope, that God, people would see us holding on to ours and we could strengthen one another to just hold on a little longer. The writer of Galatians in 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary in doing good for we will reap in due season if we do not give up. Lord, for the person that may be thinking about walking out on their faith, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them this morning. For those who are here this morning have never entered into a faith relationship with you, but God are are being led by you this morning to accept Jesus as uh, his sacrifice, as the sacrifice for their sins once for all, that they might enter into a relationship with you because of what Jesus has done. Lord, I pray that today they would accept that free gift that you have given. And Lord, for those who are looking for a church, Lord, I pray that today maybe they would say that this is the place where they want to be a part of the family of God, that they want to be a part of a family that is considering one another. Lord, we give this time of invitation to you and ask that you would do what only you can do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, can we stand? We're We're gonna sing. We're gonna enter into the presence of God. We're gonna sing. We're gonna worship him. And listen, I wanna encourage you. If you don't know Jesus, today is the day. You just walk down here, grab me and say, hey, I wanna know Jesus as my savior or you can go onto our church app, fill out the next step card. We'll get in touch with you. If you wanna join the church, this is the time you do that as well. But whatever it is, whatever God's leading you to do, let I don't want you to leave here today without you responding to the invitation of the Holy Spirit.
just your voice now. Okay, hey, before we leave, just to let you know, too, you may have just discovered this as we worship together, but here's another reason we need one another, is that when we all sing, I sound really good. <laughs> that may be your story, too. Don't let me sing a solo, because it won't go well. Yes, sir. Yep, yep, yep. Don't forget to... Bounce your clocks forward, all right, next week. That's right. Thank you, John, for the reminder. Hey, and also, speaking of reminders, when you leave here, I'll be in the uh, Welcome Center if you're interested in going to uh, the evangelism conference this afternoon. And if you are willing to go ahead and commit yourself to signing up to help out with the community workday, uh, uh, Tara Smith will be in the Welcome Center. She'll be taking names down. Um, but let's pray. And listen, man, be encouraged. Be encouraged. I know sometimes... I know sometimes coming to church is, is a fight, and I know sometimes we fight all the way to church. I noticed you guys stayed real still and didn't look to the left or right. But, man, listen, when we get here, when we get here, it's just a beautiful thing that God does. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're not in that place yet, if you're not in that place where you find Sunday morning that big, refreshing burst of energy and joy and hope, just keep hanging in there. Don't grow weary in doing good. You'll reap in due season if you don't give up.